Marshall, I can only assume you're doing that because it's Halloween. Halloween, where you wear costumes, go door-to-door trick-or-treating, and try to scare yourself. (laughs) What's even more fun than scaring yourself is exploring the scary science behind (laughs) Halloween. And that's why we're here. Before we get started on that, we've got a few exciting things to let you know about. First, if you're listening to this before Friday, November 3rd, it's time for you to decide where we go on our first field trip here in Barcelona. We're going to make sure you have as much fun as we do exploring our new home. That's right. If you want to vote for where we go on our first trip, just go visit our Patreon page at patreon.com tumblepodcast. And while you're there, you can pledge and join these wonderful folks. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Isaiah Castillo... Mara, Zev, and Eli, and the Bilby Circus, which includes my former students, Miles and Cecilia. Thank you so much for all of your support. It really means the world to us. One last thing. If you love Halloween, there's plenty more Halloween-themed episodes for you to devour, like a pillowcase full of candy. For example, Book Power for Kids. Book Power for Kids is three siblings who take turns reviewing books. For Halloween, they chose the delightfully titled book, The Halloweener by Dave Pilkey, creator of Captain Underpants. Check it out along with other Kids Listen Halloween episodes at app.kidslisten.org. And now, on to the scary show. It's actually not that scary. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. And this is Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're going on the ultimate Halloween science road trip. We'll join a scientist who traveled to graveyards and haunted houses to hear ghost stories from the people who lived them. What he discovered might surprise you. So gather around the fire, everyone, and we'll tell you a ghost story. A science ghost story. Hi, my name's Ruby, and I want to know why do people think ghosts are real? Believing in ghosts feels about as far from science as you can get. I mean, there's not much uh, experimenting you can do, like, ooh, let's see if we can test the volume of the howl. (laughs) (laughs) You could say that ghosts exist in another realm from science. (laughs) But still, it's crazy common for people to believe in ghosts. Number one, a supernatural belief is belief in ghosts and hauntings. Right about 50% of all Americans believe in ghosts or that buildings can be haunted, which is equal to the number of people who believe that global warming is caused by human activity. That's Dennis Waskell, a sociologist who studies why people believe in ghosts. Just to be clear, scientists agree that global warming is in fact caused by human activities. Right, and I think that's what makes Ruby's question a really important question for science to answer. Understanding why people believe what they believe is a huge part of learning how we, as humans, function in society. That's the study of sociology, what Dennis does. Thus, my chief question isn't, are ghosts real, but instead how and under what circumstances do people conclude that they have experienced a ghostly presence? In other words, he completely puts aside the question of whether ghosts exist or not. 
he's more curious about the experience of believing that there are ghosts. What's the process by which people convince themselves and others that they've experienced a ghost? Um, what are the forms of ghosts that people report experiencing? And what are the distinct types of ghosts that appear within them? And perhaps most importantly of all, what do these ghosts do to people and for people? Those are the kinds of questions I'm driven to. In some ways, these questions are even more interesting than whether ghosts exist or not. Which, if you think about it, that's just kind of a yes or no question. So, but how does Dennis start getting answers to his questions? First, Dennis put out the call that he wanted to talk to people who believe in ghosts in the places where they'd experience them. And you know what that means. Ghost Road Trip! You know, early on, especially when we would do field work at graveyards, my wife and I would pack up our vehicle. I'd bring my usual toolkit, my professional camera, my recording devices, notepads. Dennis had decided to do his ghost research with his wife, an elementary school educator. <laughs> That's why they'll make a fun weekend out of it. Early on, we brought our children, but it didn't take too long before they realized that a trip to the graveyard wasn't exactly a fun family outing. So, uh, where, where'd your parents go this weekend? Oh, you know, just like another, another ghost road trip. <laughs> Dennis and his wife traveled all over the Midwestern United States, where they live, and talked to over 70 people. They wanted to see the places that were haunted, not just hear about them. And then they'll conduct these long interviews. I would just begin with a simple question, so tell me what you've experienced. Imagining them sitting in a creaky house on a hill with a cat in the window and wind blowing the drapes. <laughs> no, we didn't go anywhere where I'd say was um, spooky. Some of them had, you know, a very interesting history. Most of these haunted houses were over 100 years old, but not all of them. Wait, so they went in to haunted houses to talk to the people living there? In most of the movies I've seen, people are just dying to get out of them. <laughs> Dennis found the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, people kind of liked their ghost. Sometimes they'll even give them names. One family referred to the poltergeist that they live with as Frank. One couple was convinced that they had three apparitions living in their house that they'll experience on an almost daily basis. And when they moved, they missed them. They're living in another house for which they're not experiencing anything. They're pretty convinced there's no ghosts in this house. And I, we asked them, so how do you feel about that? And they said they feel like they live in a lifeless home. Oh my gosh. So next time they move, maybe they'll ask if the house comes with a ghost. Next on House Hunters, Robert and Joan are looking for something with three bedrooms and at least one friendly ghost. <laughs> or even just a standoffish one would be fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's more than one kind of ghost. Okay, so those real estate listings would need to get real specific. Most of the people I speak to who believe they live in a haunted house live with what we call a poltergeist. So poltergeist literally means noisy ghost. Poltergeists are associated with a whole lot of physical activity. So not only do they make noise, knocking on doors and windows and that sort of thing, but they also turn on and off lights, they open and close cabinets, they mess with the thermostat, they hide things in the environment. So you're telling me that a poltergeist is like, a, like an annoying little brother or sister? Yes, but invisible. Which would make it even more annoying. <laughs> and also not living, so kind of creepy. Yeah. 
The other common ghost is an apparition, and that's the kind that people say that they see. The kind that wavers at the top of the stairs in an old-timey hat, or the one you find writing at your heirloom desk, and then it gets up and walks through a wall, and maybe it points at you and says, like, Hey, dude. It doesn't talk. It doesn't oh, talk. It doesn't talk. It points at you, and you feel like it asks you, Hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> and interestingly enough, in my research, 77% of all reported ghostly encounters are either of an apparition or a poltergeist. And just to be clear... Dennis isn't saying that there are poltergeists or apparitions. What he's done is categorized and named the types of experiences that people believe that they've had. But let me understand something. If you thought you were seeing an apparition, a you know, dead person in your house, like wouldn't that be scary? Right. I thought so too. And then Dennis told me about wraiths. The traditional definition of a wraith is a loved one that visits the living around the time of their death and almost universally to comfort them in their grief. So the ghosts are helping them cope with their own experiences. Exactly. So after all the interviews, Dennis found two categories of people who believe in ghosts. A category of people who desperately want something of which these ghosts help them to facilitate. So these are the people who want to see their loved ones again or want companionship. Ghosts fill a gap in their real lives. Oh, so it, it could actually be quite nice. So what's the second category? Really, the majority of people we spoke to um, who are what I call rational and reluctant believers, they encounter something strange, something unusual and bizarre, they can't explain it away, but have to um, go through a series of doubts before then they reluctantly conclude, I think it might have been a ghost. Interviews with the reluctant believers had a common theme. They would explain to me some occurrence, and they would immediately jump on. I know, I know it could have been the window open, but I checked that. You know, I realized I could have been the cat that I heard, but I looked down on my bed and the cat was sitting right next to me. They systematically go through a process all of their own of trying to eliminate all the other possible explanations that could rationally explain what it is that they have experienced. And, that, and that's what I mean by a reluctant believer. So if so many people are experiencing ghosts, can we ever prove that what people experience is really a ghost? Like, what if you take a really good photo? I talked to lots of people who showed me and sent me all kinds of photos and videos and recordings. And I look at it and there's no way I can explain what I'm seeing in that image. But still, what is it? There's no way to answer that question in a definitive way. There's some questions that science just can't answer. And I, and I really think this is one of them. Of course, many famous pictures and other so-called proof of ghosts have been discovered to be fakes. But in general, ghosts escape the grasp of science because they can't be proven false. No matter how much evidence or data you can gather proving that a ghost isn't there, you can never completely remove the doubt that somehow there is something there. You can always be like, well, you just didn't come on the right day to experience the ghost. And he doesn't like strangers. Or maybe you just don't have the right equipment. This is the kind of ghost that can only be detected with magnets. So the question, do ghosts or monsters or giant flying pink dragons or whatever exist, is always impossible to prove 100% false, which is what science needs in order to disprove something. That's very convenient if you're a ghost. Do you think that people will ever stop believing 
in ghosts? No, I don't. And I think that's because the ghosts that people experience in the lives in which they live do things to and for uh, individuals that are important. And the better we understand the significance of what those ghosts do to and for people, the better we'll understand why these beliefs and reported experiences will be with us for as long as it matters. In other words, as long as people have some reason to believe in ghosts, they will. Exactly. As long as something feels real to someone, it's worth trying to understand why, even if you don't believe in it yourself. What strange belief that people have have you always wondered about? Like, why are there die-hard fans of a sports team that always loses? Or why do people even like baseball? <laughs> <laughs> Leave off the Cubs. Leave off the Cubs. <laughs> Try doing your own study like Dennis. Find people to interview and ask questions. And keep an open mind. What can you learn about people's beliefs? Tell us what you found out at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. And happy haunting! <laughs> Thanks to Dennis Waskell, professor of sociology and distinguished faculty scholar at Minnesota State University. A special thank you to Ruby for her question, and thanks as well to Joe Hansen from It's Okay to Be Smart. Don't forget, you can listen to Tumble and discover the other best podcasts for kids on the Kids Listen app at app.kidslisten.org. Sarah Lentz is our associate producer. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this show. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the music. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.